righty. Okay, so everybody, we are with the wonderful Kate Northrup, who is a wife, mommy, entrepreneur, activist, and just I admire you in so many different ways. You're like on my top 10 list of women who motivate me to be better daily. <laughs> and so it is such a pleasure to get to talk to you and, and get to kind of pick your brain about, about things. I kind of want to jump in there because um, jump right into the interview because I read your book money of a love story and I, I was profoundly struck by the book because it really hit me to the core. Um, growing up uh, American poor, I didn't really realize the correlation between my self-esteem and my relationship with money. And it's something that I struggled with in every single way um, my entire life. And it had a profound effect on, on me as far as the appearances that I would put up in public. It also played a tremendous role in how I felt about myself in relationship to um, my adulthood, my womanhood, my ability to be a good wife. And it wasn't really until I got married that I was actually confronted with the ugly relationship that I had with money. And, and what I'm wondering from you after reading your book, I mean, by all appearances and your upbringing and who your mother is and, and things like that, um, do you feel like there was any sort of role or, or any appearances that you had to keep up when you were on your money love journey? Totally. <laughs> what a good question. <laughs> um, I love this question. You know, it's actually been, it's such a timely question because I've been realizing literally within the last week or two, the degree to which I personally have been programmed, but all, you know, I, nothing that I say is particularly special about my, you know, my experience that we are programmed for things to look a certain way. You know, whether you had a parent who um, was a leader in your, in your church community or, you know, somebody who was known around the neighborhood really well, like this can come in so many different shapes and sizes. I happen to grow up with a mother who was known on an international level, but I have spoken with many people whose parents were a teacher or a police officer in the, in the community or whatever it was where they've had a very similar experience. So, you know, I don't think you have to have a famous parent for this to apply. Um, just this idea that we want, um, you know, we want a, a, like, I think that as children, we do, we protect our parents some up sometimes um, in terms of what we choose to share and feeling like we have to act a certain way because we're a, a reflection of them. And I think about this with my kids, to be honest, because I'm like, oh man, you know, I was raised by this woman who is a public figure <laughs> and now like I'm a public figure and I've got these kids and what's that? How do I, how do I allow them to 
really be themselves unapologetically and not need to put pressure on them to be or be any particular certain way. You know, Dr. Shafali Sabari is one of my favorite teachers and she wrote the foreword to my forthcoming book, um, Do Less. And she talks about this idea um, as parents that we can really infuse our children with so much pressure wanting them to achieve and be a certain way or do certain things and how, um, how like that's not really, that's like our own stuff right, that we put on them. So I, I'm being a bit tangential to your question, but it's something I think about a lot. And I'm just, you know, um, the truth is, and I'm on this journey every day, I, I really think that we all have to find a place where our self-worth is sourced from within. I mean, I think that's the whole game, right? Whether it's having to do with your money or your time or anything else, it's like, how can I come back to that fountain of worth within myself that no person, no circumstance, no career situation can ever, in, um, you know, impede upon. So, right. so, you know, whether it comes to money or anything else, I think that's really the game. Yes. And I find that so many women feel the need to keep up appearances and, and that ultimately leads to a depletion in their bank account because they're buying things to make themselves feel pretty, to make themselves feel worthy, and um, not really making that money love connection. And I think that that was the most powerful thing about your book. It, it, and it just really opened my eyes as I, I am on this journey, um, particularly this year, on a self a self-awareness and self-love journey, like just diving deeper into myself and what it means to love myself and making that money love connection because it's something that we have to deal with every single day. Yeah. Money is something we have to deal with every single day. And I don't think that we look at it from, from the lens of love. So my question for you is what was your turning point for you um, in your money love journey, what, did you hit rock bottom or was it just like a light bulb moment that, that went off? Yeah. You know, there were, there were a lot of little moments, you know, I, I don't have the lying on the bathroom floor, you know, story. Um, I love, you know, we all love those stories. <laughs> I don't have one for you. I'm so sorry, <laughs> but um, I mean, they're not, you know, of course, we don't want people to hit rock bottom, but the transformation is intoxicating. Um, to like one of my favorite writers is Glennon Doyle, you know, and she's got this, you know, bathroom floor story of getting sober and the whole thing. So anyway, um, my story, it was really, I was in a business relationship with my mom and it was a moment of reckoning where I realized I am playing quite small because of who she is and who and the pressure I'm putting on her to sort of take care of the hard stuff. And I realized right. I don't, if I don't go out on my own and feel the fear of either making it or failing, but like that fear is real and I'll never know what I'm made of unless I go for it, then I will stay stuck and small and, and resentful of my mom. I mean, I had become, we, 
I was in a relationship with her where I started to feel resentful of her all the time. And that was terrible. I mean, I love my mom. I want to have a great relationship with her. And, and we, we've, we've built a beautiful one. I actually live in my hometown. So my mom lives like five minutes across town. <laughs> um, oh, nice. So yeah. So, but I, so it was really that moment where I had had a conversation with her. I actually, I will be honest, I was sitting on the floor crying. What happened is I was at my now <laughs> husband's apartment and I had just gotten off the phone with my mom where we had a call about our business partnership. And I talk about this in the book. Um, and it became clear that we were not even close to on the same page about how to structure our agreement moving forward. And I felt dramatically undervalued. And that was because it was a reflection of my own, own relationship with myself. I was not, you know, I'm not blaming her. Um, but I just knew I had to go because it wasn't gonna, it wasn't gonna turn around. So I was just sitting there on the floor crying. And um, my now husband came in and he was like, what is going on? And I explained the whole situation and he looked at me and he, he was so great. He looked at me and he said, um, you are enough you can do this by yourself. And, and that was it. I just needed one person to speak those words to realize that that was true. And also to reflect back that that was not the belief I had been operating underneath. And so it was pretty shortly after there that, that I, I called my mom and we dismantled the business partnership and I did go out on my own and it was really scary. Um, I didn't have a source of income other than wow. our, our company together, you know, so I had, I had to create something out of nothing. It's not like I had a trust fund or like some kind of, you know, you got to just like make that stuff up. So I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trust me, I understand exactly of the way that you feel. And I could, um, as I was, you know, reading your book and, and, absorbing your story there were so many bits and pieces that I could resonate with because it, it is quite scary when you find yourself having to depend on yourself and I think what you built even with your mom with the um what was it the marketing relationship marketing business was was absolutely amazing in and of itself but I I I can agree that that can be a scary place to be. I actually find myself in that position now because um, I made the rash decision to move to Rome, Italy. Last year, I came for vacation and just simply fell in love with the place. And last year, I have a theme for every year. So last year was like wildest dreams. So I packed up all my stuff and I packed up my kid and my two dogs and we moved into Rome. That's awesome. So, <laughs> and it's been an awesome journey, but financially, you know, living off of the savings that I had and now finding myself in a situation where, you know, it's like, okay, Candace, okay, you know, like you need to start bringing in some money too. And like, what is that going to look like? Mm -hmm. And how am I going to create that from a space of authenticity and from a space of what I love to do and my God-given talent? It's like, it's pushing. It's like, okay, now you've got to practice what you preach. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I totally get that. Um, one of the things that uh, I love that you talk about in the book is the belief of 
money being the root of all evil. Why do you feel that the belief that money is the root of all evil is a false statement? Yeah, well, so, you know, I'm not sure your religious background or the background of the people watching. So I just want to preface this by saying I don't want to offend anybody. And what anybody believes is, believes is totally wonderful. How in the in in scripture it actually does say that the love of money is the root of all evil, not that money is the root of all evil. And and to me, I believe that that means the love of money above other things that are actually valuable, you know, that are actually the things that matter, like our our family and our health and being of service and taking care of the planet. I mean, those are the things to me at least that matter the most. And it's when we put money above those things instead of when we put money in service to those things. So yes. I think that uh, within, within certain religious com communities, certainly, and spiritual communities, that this idea that it's not spiritual to want money is, to me, it just seems like a way to keep people small um, and a way mm. to, to um, propagate suffering that's not necessary. Um, now, do I think that money buys you happiness? No, but life is harder when you're struggling financially. And I don't think that that's like spiritually um, more valuable in any way. I don't think right. that suffering makes us more valuable as humans, although that is a cultural belief that sort of is running through a lot of our veins, which is this idea that somehow the more you suffer, the more valuable you are. Yeah right? We're trying to prove yeah. something through our suffering. And so I think that those two beliefs are interconnected. Um, also, you know, the Bible was written by people as well. And, <laughs> and like, we're all just yeah. trying to figure it out. So I, you know, right. um, I don't know what people's beliefs are, but, but we always want to, my belief is whenever you're reading anything, whether it's my book or spiritual texts or anything you're reading on the internet for sure, is to filter it through, and this is the practice, it's to filter it through our own internal guidance system and ask, does that feel right to me or does it not? And I'll be honest, there were things that felt right to me in my 20s that no longer do or that like, you know, so this can shift over time and we need to um, not believe what other people say, but instead run those beliefs through ourselves and know yeah. that we can choose our own set of beliefs and to run our life during those in that way with those beliefs. And like our mother may not agree. You know, there are certain things that our spouse may not agree. Our kids may not, it doesn't matter. We each get to decide for ourselves how we're going to operate. And that is a daily practice of shutting out the noise and deciding, no, I am, I am disciplined. I am devoted to running my life this way in, in service of love, in service of, you know, equity and freedom for everyone. And so whatever it is for you, um, because there's a lot of noise out there and people will, it's quite distracting <laughs> all the other yeah, things that people yeah. are saying. And, and so that's what's so cool though. You know, I believe, right, Candace, for you, you read my book, Money, A Love Story, and it, and it deeply resonated. So to me, that means that's because that's true for you, right? Like, right. like, like that, that's, ref it, it's almost a mirroring. Um, I think that when we read things that 
resonate with us so deeply, it's because it's a reflection of who we are, right? And, and so those are the things to follow versus the ones that make you feel bad about yourself or the ones that are telling you you have to be different or be better in order to be okay. It's the, you want to follow the ones that feel affirming on like a cellular level. Yes. Yes, I agree. Um, what are some ways that women can <clears throat> shift and start feeling immediately better about their bank account? Mm, yes, good question. So one thing is to know, you know, even though we're talking about self-worth and money, it's to know that the amount in your bank account is not equivalent to your actual worth. We can get very screwed up in our culture believing that the more money we have, the more valuable we are. And that is not the case. You know, somebody who has zero dollars is not less valuable than somebody who has a million dollars. We are all, we are all valuable. And I believe that our worth is inherent. And so, so it's, it's to number one, just like run that belief through your system and feel how that feels to know my worth is inherent. And I like to try on mantras and just so that like if I'm standing in the grocery store line or sitting in traffic or whatever, if I have kind of like some blank space in my day to run those mantras through my mind. So my worth is inherent. I also really like to try on, um, I am a money magnet. That's a great one. Um, I, I, I will, and I will say like, I have used the, I am a money magnet mantra for years. And I, in my family, I am notorious for finding money like $50 bills in a cab or like 10 bucks on the sidewalk. I mean, I find money all the time and I do believe it's because I use that affirmation. And so that also like, it brings a little joy and a little lightness to it. So often financial, right. like financials become very heavy and there's a lot of guilt laden and it's like, ah, it feels so tight. So when we can bring the levity and the joy and the fun and the pleasure, so try a money mantra that um, makes you feel playful because it is that playful okay. energy and that joyful pep that actually will become very attractive because when we're vibrating in that place, we actually do become right. more attractive. I mean, literally more attractive possibly to a partner, but also more attractive, <laughs> you know, I think to the universe to offer opportunities and, and listen, abundance comes in all shapes and sizes. I don't think abundance yeah. is only financial. So you want to be looking for opportunities, um, to prosper in many ways that may, and that's also part of the deal is affirming. This is another step you can take affirming the value that you have in your life and being grateful for what you have in your life that is financial and non-financial. Like what do you have in your life that makes you experience a feeling of luxury and abundance that is not, mm -hmm. that is not financial? Yes, that's financial, but also that's not because we all know the best things in life do not cost money. <laughs> they right, just don't. Right. A walk in the park or time tea time with a friend mm -hmm. or hugging your child. I, you know, yeah, I, I totally agree. And and I you know, there when when I just when I'm I as I'm discussing this with you and and thinking about money 
uh, my own journey, the journey of women who follow me and, and we have had candid conversations. There, there is a lot of, of bad, uh, or I don't want to say bad feelings, but a lot of difficult feelings attached to money. And so uh, feeling guilt or feeling a, sh uh, a lot of shame when it comes to money. And, and I think that those are, that's important to be able to find those little breaks of light as you're on your money love journey so that you can just feel okay. Like you're going to get there. <laughs> you're, totally. going, you're going to get there. Um, one of the things that we talk about in my circle and my sisterhood is learning how to become financially healthy for the purpose of having a great relationship, um, relationship in particular marriage. And, um, however, um, do you believe in the concept of being financially perfect or financially fit for love? Because there are a lot of different movements that I see going on that are preparing women for big love, for marriage, and how financially fit should a woman be prior to saying I do? What a great question. I feel like I had a belief, you know, I had a belief that I had to have my stuff totally together financially before I met my partner. And, um, and I realized that belief was not serving me because... <laughs> because I was single and I wanted to be with someone and I knew it was going to take a little time to get my debt paid off. And, and I was, I was committed to the path, but I wasn't there yet, but I wanted love now. And so I decided to change my belief and I just said, you know what, what if I could have love at the same time that I was on my financial journey? And wouldn't you know it, very quickly after I just, I, you know, I made a decision and I started monitoring my thoughts about it. And so every time I would feel that sneaky thought come in, I would just redirect to, you know, yeah, I can have love and be, you know, on my journey at the same time. And so I met my, my now husband and, um, and he was also on his financial journey. You know, we were both, we both had some debt. We were both growing businesses in early stages. So things were really tight. We had like negative money. We had <laughs> no money, and um, and 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 there we were. And you know what? It was beautiful because we. I will say I totally had the Cinderella complex. You know, I thought, well, wouldn't it be great if I just met somebody wealthy and they could just like handle it? Um, but of course, the universe. No, okay, it would be so easy. It would be right <laughs> so much easier if somebody just handled it for me. But but the universe did not send me that because if it had, I would have ended up not growing the muscles I needed to grow in that area of my life. And instead the universe sent me a true partner, meaning someone who would mirror my journey. And then we got to create abundance together and we have worked through things together and what we have, we share. And we have this, you know, now we have a seven figure business and we have, you know, much more abundance than we did when we first got together. But it's cool because I didn't have the experience of like, oh, he swooped in and saved me. And if I had, I think that underlying there would, I would have never built the fortitude in my own self-worth to know I can do this no matter what. And I'm so grateful nobody came and saved me because I would never have found out what I was made of and that we could create that right. together, which is a far more satisfying experience. 
So I do. And, so and to answer your that, question, I don't believe that you need to be financially completely squared away before you get married. But I do think that you need to be financially naked before you get married. You know, I'll hear stories of like people, <laughs> people have hidden debt or things. And you're just like, oh my God. <laughs> my husband doesn't know I'm in $125,000 worth of credit card debt or something. Right. And so you got to So we did, we knew what each person was coming to the table with before we got married. Okay. And that I think is absolutely. The transparency. The transparency. The transparency. Um, I totally agree because I think money is like the, the, one of the main causes of divorce. Yes. And so it is extremely important to be tra um, financially transparent. Um, are there any money love practices that you and your husband do together even to this day? Yeah, absolutely. We have, <laughs> we have a money love date every Friday at noon. Um, I, it's on our calendar. It says money love date, it literally. And uh, wow. <laughs> during that meeting, we look at what's in our bank accounts. We have a financial management system where we transfer a certain amounts from our business account into our personal and our savings and our taxes every single week. That's how we manage our cash flow. Um, and that way we just okay. know everything's covered. Um, so we do that every Friday. And then once a month we organize all our credit cards. Um, so they're all due on the first of the month. So, so that the money meeting before the first of the month is the day we go through and, and pay all the credit cards and, um, and you know, just look at financial, just look at financial mail, go over our stuff from the bookkeeper, um, talk about our financial goals. We'll look at, you know, look at what's in our savings and are we getting closer to that next goal? Um, so it's just our time yeah. weekly. Um, usually it takes about 30 minutes. It's not like a huge time commitment, but we find that when we stay on top of it like that, it doesn't have to take a long time. Whereas what I used to do is I would really only deal with my money once a year. And then it took like weeks because <laughs> I just had right. it was just it became unmanageable. But thirty minutes a week is incredibly manageable. Do you do you make it like a real date? Like you have like some kind of special like cookies, or do you try to? <laughs> you know what? I used to. We I will say, Mike and I used to be much more avoidant when it came to our money. Both of us, unfortunately, and fortunately, we have the same money personality. Um, and, and our default is to be avoidant. Um, so we used to make it much more of like a production because we needed to make ourselves get there. So it'd be like <laughs> wine glasses because neither of us drinks and like lighting a candle and making it a whole thing. Um, now we just like show up and, and, but <laughs> I think that I could probably take a dose of my own medicine. I think I could spruce it up a little bit. <laughs> so thank you. Right. <laughs> um do you have I, I guess you kind of answered this question uh, in your previous answer but do you have money that is considered quote unquote your money that you do not have to account for to your husband good question um we do not and <clears throat> that is because Mike and I don't get into um, arguments or frustration around what the other person was spending money on, we're really on the same page. So like we do, we have a rule of a certain amount of money under which we can just spend whatever we want, but over which requires a conversation. 
And both of us are really okay. good about that. And when we set a new um, guideline, like if we're trying to cut back so we can ramp up our savings or whatever, both of us are really good about doing it. So in our relationship, everything's shared. We also own our company 50-50, so our income is the exact same. So it just wouldn't make sense to keep anything separate. I have no idea how we would figure that out bookkeeping-wise. Um, but I really do understand, especially if you have a different money personality than your partner and you don't want to have to have a conversation with him or her about every pair of shoes or every massage or whatever, then I think it could be a great idea to have each person have their own fun money account where they don't have to have a conversation. They can do whatever they want with it. Um, but every couple is really different in that regard. Right. No, I just think that's important because I know that some, uh, that's an area of strain for some yes. some people, and and some I notice some men have a tendency to have lots of leeway when it comes to their toys, but then they want to keep tabs on everybody else's toys. <laughs> so that can be an area of frustration for a lot of women. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my next question is: Is what you all still make financial goals and you, and you just said that you make financial goals for yourself. Um, can you give us an example of what that might, that looks like? Yeah. So, um, right now we have an unfinished basement in our house and we would like to put in a guest room and a guest bath down there. So it's just a renovation project. Um, so we've gotten quotes from, a couple of local builders and we know how much it's going to cost. Um, so we just have a spreadsheet where we keep our monthly, um, we know all of our monthly expenses personal. And then we have a tab for what our monthly expenses are business. And then we know what our income is each month. Cause we just, we have our bookkeeper give us the numbers. And so we're able to look at, um, you know, what, what's coming in and did we make more than we needed to in a certain month? Um, did we not hit it? And so we're able to kind of keep track of that goal. And then we have our money put away in savings. And obviously it's obvious when the number gets to the amount that we need because it's in the account. Um, and then we know, we know that we can move forward on the project, but we're always dreaming up things. We're always having different projects. You know, we want to put a fire pit in the backyard. We want to, I want to invest uh, in this app idea I have to build the app. So we just put sort of like have our dreams list and we know how much each of them costs and then we'll reorganize the priority of them based on what's feeling right in the moment once we have the savings. So it may not be that the basement suite comes up first. Um, it may be that we decide instead to like, you know, take a family vacation or something, but, but we do know what okay. we're saving for and we can reorganize the dreams um, as we have the money for them. Wonderful. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, what are some ways do you feel that women can work together to build wealth? Because I think you and I, we both believe in the concept of feminine entrepreneurship. And at least um, from my perspective, feminine entrepreneurship is allowing your space, yourself, that space to create money from an Femi uh, energetically feminine perspective and that leaves time for all the important stuff in your life. How can women work together as a unit to build wealth? Yeah, great question. So I really, you know, <laughs> as women, we, we, we have a um, sort of an instinct to tend and befriend. <laughs> it's like 
we just <laughs> like to circle up usually. Um, and, and we're so good at supporting one another. And you had mentioned the word sisterhood before. It seems like you've created this beautiful community. And so whether it's a book club, you know, whether you go through my book, Money, A Love Story, there's certainly other wonderful money books out there. But I think that going through a practice together so you can hold one another accountable to your dreams is really powerful. You know, I have some girlfriends that were on tech streams um, and we'll talk about money stuff, especially in our businesses. Like how much do you think I should charge? Oh gosh, I'm so scared because this is a stretch for me, how much should I ask for, for this gig or, you know, and then we'll, we'll reflect back to one another. We see each other as more valuable often than we see ourselves. And, um, mm -hmm. and then we can, we can hold up that mirror to say, no, 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 you are underselling yourself. You need to, you need to go for that. And when, when I have my sisters behind me, feeling them, cheering me on, I'm much more likely to stand up for myself in that negotiating meeting or go for a bigger offer. Um, or ask for what I need or, you know, or massively simplify my spending. I mean, to be honest, one of my girlfriends just like realized she was working way harder than she wanted to. So she fired her whole team and massively simplified her business. And I was just like, um, that was amazing. <laughs> so it's not, only, you know, it's not only going for, let's say more income, but sometimes it's the holding being, um, being a living example of simplifying so that we can have more time for the things that we long for, whether it's a walk in the woods or being with our kids or, you know, making more food or doing a craft. I mean, I don't know what you're into, but <laughs> those, those things, right. you know, being that living, breathing example for one another, which is why it's so important that women like you are out there building these businesses showing like, yeah, I wanted to move to Rome with my kid and I did it. And you know, the inspiration of that, that you are out there doing that publicly is so incredible. And I think that we can't even put a price on how valuable it is to see another woman doing something to prove to ourselves that it's possible. Right. Yes, I totally agree. Um, can you, and lastly, the last question I have for you is, can you tell us a little bit about your upcoming book, Do Less? Um, and also any workshops that you may have going on right now. Sure. Um, so I've got my new book. This is an advanced reader's copy, but you can see kind of what the type, what, what it's going to look like. It's called Do Less, A Revolutionary Approach to Time and Energy Management for Busy Moms. Um, so it's out April 7th. <laughs> and, and it really is taking on this concept of work-life balance and completely dismantling it because I really don't believe in that concept. Um, and it's about energet energetic management. So you talked about feminine energy and it's, it's approaching our time from a feminine perspective because the way time has been laid out is this linear model that is based on a 24 hour cycle, which men's hormones actually run on a 24 hour cycle. And our entire world is set up for that um, as it is for other things male. But actually women, we cycle on a 28-ish day cycle. And so um, whether, you know, whether you're actually having a period or not, that's actually true. And so when we approach wow. time from a cyclical, more spacious perspective, we're actually able to get a lot more done with less stress. So that's what Do Less is about. Um, and it's out April 2nd. So I have coming up, um, I'll be in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, speaking at an event called Ignite Your Soul Summit, 
I'll be in Austin, Texas, speaking at an event called Birth Fit. And then I'll be in um, Stratton, Vermont, speaking at the Wanderlust Festival. And I will have more events coming. We're kind of uh, knocking out some details. So everything's over at katenorthup.com forward slash events. And if you get on my list as events come, um, as the details become available, I'll just email them out. Perfect. Now, I did see that um, for the month of February on Facebook, you and your husband have the B-School review. Is that still going on? It is, yeah. So if you want to join in, um, Mike and I are doing daily uh, business conversations at 11 a.m. Eastern in our private group. It's called B-School Review with Kate Northrup and Mike Watts. You can just search it on Facebook. Um, and we would love to have you join if you have business questions specifically about online business because we're doing this um, in honor of the 10th anniversary of our friend Marie Forleo's B-School program. But, but it's totally free. You don't have to sign up for the program to be part of it. Okay, perfect. I know that I'm going to be joining. I invite all of you ladies to join it for this month of February. And um, again, I just really want to thank you for your time. I am so excited about your new book, Do Less. I mean, you just, just dropped a big jewel with the whole time concept. It makes so much sense. And um, as I, you know, am really trying to live a consciously feminine lifestyle. I really feel like your your next book is going to be like one of those books that helps put a lot of things in perspective. And I'm sure there are a lot of ladies, like I'm looking at the comments in the chat and everybody's like, I can't wait for the new book to come out. So I know I'm not alone in my excitement for your new book to come out. But Again, thank you so much, Kate, for your wisdom and for sharing your journey and just helping so many women like myself be able to make that, that connection between our heart spaces and our wallets. It's, it's really amazing. Well, thank you so much. This was a pleasure. Yes. All right. Take care and um, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you again. You too. Right, Bye, Thank everyone. You Thank you. All right. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs>